2: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST
3: for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
1: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
4: This is Cork Today, Cork today. with J.P. McNamara on C-103. Cork's greatest hits, C-103.
5: And good morning to you on what? It's cloudy now, but going to be a nice day. High temperatures of 21 degrees right across the city and county. It's John Paul McNamara in for a Patricia Messenger right through until 1. And both Bernie and Sadie taking your calls this morning on 1850 333 103. Or you can text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103. You can tweet us this morning at C103 Cork or email jp at c103.ie. Shortly discussing the decision that's set to go ahead today. Uh, Memos going to Cabinet at the moment but the leaving search uh, looks like it's going to be cancelled for 2020. Some are very happy over this. Some have mixed views. Some uh, feel that it should have gone ahead to be fair to everybody. A lot of classmates feel maybe some within the class did no work this year and they'll be given the predictive marks that is being spoken about at the moment but uh, others are happy because the anxiety that was facing Livingster students, no one knew if it was going to go ahead, if it was not going to go ahead, when it was going to go ahead. So while everybody was studying away, uh, th- there was mixed reactions on what should happen with this. We'll be speaking with the Castlehaven student very shortly on how Livingster students feel about the decision. Also, the tourism sector, which has been uh, hit most, I think, over the last number of months and across the summer uh, due to COVID-19. A lot of talk in the doll this week on lowering the VAT rate and also talks of an extra bank holiday later in the year. We'll be discussing that with Cork South West Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan on the show this morning. And how do you feel about an extra bank holiday? I'm sure uh, many would welcome that. We also hear about a group called Pay It Forward Cork, who are helping families struggling to buy food uh, for their own families at this time. Many people have faced pay cuts from their companies uh, due to uh, COVID-19 and the loss of revenue to many companies because of that uh, faced pay cuts and and indeed uh, job losses as well. So uh, for many who are availing of the COVID payment, it may not be enough to meet everything and every demand and every loan they are paying back at the moment. So we'll hear about that particular group. Also, it's part two of our series of Fiona's Frontline Diaries. This week we'll be hearing from the housekeeping, the porter and indeed security staff within our hospitals here in Cork and we're going to hear from a listener who went to buy a puppy at an agreed price so many people will be looking at purchasing puppies maybe after starting a family or or just moving in together some people do that but this couple decided to buy this particular puppy at an agreed price from this particular person, only to get a text message this week to say that the price has more than doubled. And then if they really wanted a puppy after they were questioning about the price, they pay a certain amount now, uh, still higher than what they agreed. We'll hear exactly on what happened with our caller later in the show. A word of warning for people who may be thinking of uh, purchasing animals. Uh, This comes up quite a bit uh, unfortunately whereby even though they can be registered with certain institutions in this country, for example maybe the Irish Kennels Association, all of those, it still goes on anyway. They claim to be registered. We have uh, contacted the Irish Kennels Association on this as well. We are awaiting a response from them. Also we're going to hear about an invasion of the flat worm into Irish gardens. This worm threatens uh, Ireland's biodiversity. Seemingly it came from Australia, how it came. Here we don't know, we'll find out though. And it's 50 years since Dana won the Eurovision for Ireland with all kinds of everything, and she'll join us after midday. On that time 50 years ago, does she still remember it as vividly as, as it happens, uh, the, the time it was, the difference now in the Eurovision compared to then? And how is she coping with everything going on at the moment in relation to the coronavirus? Adana will join us after midday, plus our movie review with Mark and much more to come between now and one. And, of course, your calls and comments are welcome to Sadie and Bernie, 1850 333103. Or, indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103, 103. But, as we know by now, the Leaving Cert set to be cancelled for this year and replaced with predictive grades. Now, memo is going to Cabinet at the moment for approval of this. Uh, Leaving Cert students, some have mixed views. The majority to us so far seem to be happy enough with the decision. But Leaving Cert students from Castlehaven and attending Skibbereen Community School... Alicia Joy joins me. And Alicia, what's, what's your reaction overall to this?
2: Well, I think they've made the, absolutely the right choice and now is the time to make it. We had the Ombudsman for Children coming out, talking about it, asking the Minister for clarity. We had politicians shouting across the doll, asking for clarity and asking for the cancellation. And I think the bottom line is that there's no test, exam or results ever in anyone's life worth putting at risk someone you love.
5: And what do you make then about the idea of the results being replaced with these predictive grades? I mean, will you and your fellow students there in Skibbereen, will you be happy with that type of setup? I mean, does it put pressure then on your teachers?
2: Well, I suppose there are people who won't be in favour of the predicted grades. Um, And look, we've said from the very beginning, there's not going to be any fair solution. What we have to look at is what is safe and what is the most important thing. And like I said, that is protecting the people around us and ourselves. Um... I think it will depend on how they obviously um, define predicted grades, what it will mean. Will it be part of the mocks? Will it be mostly teacher-based assessment? It will really depend on what they come out and say that is. And the most important aspect of that really will be protecting people who go to desh schools, who come from disadvantaged backgrounds. I think that will be the biggest um, kind of step they'll have to look at to make sure that those people are protected. Um, against their own
5: school's national average. And for a lot of students across the country now this morning who are waking up to this particular news, more of less broke yesterday evening, but it's more set in stone now that it is going to go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were studying a lot over the last few months, and for the last few weeks, people were continued to study, but they didn't know if it was going to go ahead, if not going to go ahead. I mean, how does that work when it comes to preparation, when you're putting in hours of work, because it is something that you have to really study for, is that even, some would say, more than any other exam, because you're putting two years' work uh, into a few months of revising. How do you prepare for that? I mean, how, how do you prepare for something that you don't know is going to go ahead and try and keep calm. I mean, a lot of students we heard from were were anxious over this and they weren't too sure if they're going to get everything studied in time or maybe did they even need to study this because it may not go ahead.
2: Yeah, it is definitely tough to stay motivated and I know that there is a lot of students who will be very dedicated to school and were aiming for very, very high points and even they were finding it very difficult without that extra support of being in the school uh, physically. I think... What they've done now is that they've relieved a lot of that stress off students. And I guess there was a feeling of guilt among students as well. You're at home 24 hours a day and if you're not studying for that whole time, maybe you can feel guilty about not studying and putting the work in because you're on your own doing it, essentially, which no other Leaving Cert class ever has been, especially when the May cut-off point would have come between teachers and schools and there would have been, essentially... An, about an eight-week gap for students to be on their own, essentially studying um, at home with no support or no online classes if there even was any. So I think what they've done is now they've just relieved a lot of stress, worry, anxiety from students and I think it was the right decision.
5: What's the plan now for you and your mates across the summer?
2: <laughs> well, uh, there'll definitely be some sort of Zoom party tonight, I think, for every leaving search around the country and um, I think just you know, looking after our families and what we should have been doing from day one was, you know, worrying about our own health and making sure that we are protecting everyone in our household and around us and not worrying about some exam um, that was being postponed and cancelled and all these different things happening. It was unfair on students and I think the best thing they can do now is protect people who are at disadvantages and work to do that.
5: You might have a Zoom Debs maybe tonight or later (laughs) on in the summer. If you can not actually have a Debs, you could do that. And what's the plan then when we look into later this year or even next year? You know, some colleges are coming out openly and saying it could be November by the time they actually start with lectures. Are you hopeful with CEO points and all of that? That will also now be sorted because that's another uh, stumbling block for many now on how they will decide on those points and then people getting to college.
2: Well, I pointed this out um, way back when I first started advocating for the cancellation. I said, look, what they've done with the postponement is they've added multiple more problems onto a problem that was already a huge problem. So what they've done now is they've cut out all of that delaying CEO, delaying anything um, like college. So if college can go back as soon as possible, the CEO can all fall into place, hopefully as normal now. Look, college might, like they said, open up late September, early October, possibly November. But at least when that can happen, it can happen smoothly and essentially as normal. And there doesn't have to be any kind of flapping about, about results and CEO. We can just run that throughout the summer. We'll have the results and then things can just carry on essentially as normal once the green light is given for colleges
6: to be reopened.
5: And what's your plan for college? What do you wish to go and study?
2: Um, well, I'd
5: like to go and study law, <laughs> and go down the legal route.
2: Yes, yeah. absolutely.
5: <laughs> well, you're in, in a historic year, uh, Alicia. You're the—I don't know if this ever happened before going way back in time, but I, I don't think it did in in, in Ireland. Uh, whereby you're the only Leaving Cert class who will actually not physically sit down in an exam hall and sit the Leaving Cert. But hopefully, uh, all will go well for you anyhow when you do attend college, and everything will work out uh, next absolutely. year. Uh, and I think for you as guys. well.
2: An important thing to to say is that, you know, young people, I think, sometimes don't realize the power that we have um, and that it just goes to show that if you come out and use your voice and um, advocate for something, that you can change it.
5: Well Alicia best of luck to you it's Alicia Joy O'Sullivan there uh, Join us from Castle Haven who attends Skibbereen Community School uh, on the decision now that the leaving Cert for this year 2020 going to be cancelled, replaced with those predictive grades. Uh, your comments are welcome on this. If you win already uh, keep them coming 1850 333 103 text or WhatsApp 086 You can tweet this morning at C103 Cork. But uh, Joan saying while well, this and I welcome the decision says Joan for this to happen because because it does reduce the pressure on so many people who are doing and studying for the Leaving Start at the moment. Not only the person who is actually doing the Leaving Start, but their entire family who we'll have to watch them going through this and watch them very stressed. But now, what about the teachers? Teachers are going to be put under pressure to give them a particular grade. So not sure is this a good thing or a bad thing on actually leaving it up to the school uh, to decide. While Mark says, yes, I agree, it's a good decision to cancel the living cert, but I am living in a small community and my friend is a teacher. Already before this announcement, he is coming under pressure from parents in his community to say, Will you look after my Johnny? Will you look after my Mary in the leaving search? And I will give him a good mark. If this is the way it's going to work, it's going to put a lot of pressure on teachers, especially in smaller communities here in Cork, says Mark. And John and Clon saying on the Leaving start being cancelled, graded on the past five previous years, it will be fairer. Uh, John has mentioned about mocks that were leaked. I know that was mentioned on some of the social media sites uh, about, the, about, the, about mocks, but with mocks, anyhow a lot of what comes into them, sometimes you get a fear of DF while it's coming up. Uh, but I, I get what you mean, that uh, what John is saying, some students who would not have put in the work for exams could do very well uh, with this particular decision and also could have done well then if exams w- w- were leaked. But overall, a lot of students from what we're hearing anyhow here are happy uh, that this decision has been made and that this is the way they are going with it. But your views are welcome. Uh, thank you, John and Clonculte, for your text. Uh, what's your view uh, regarding the Leaving Cert Right decision Wrong decision Mostly overall Students that were sitting In the Leaving Cert Are happy with this And uh, we, we haven't got any Real negative response To the decision as yet But your views are welcome 1850-333-103 On the C103 Instagram We did ask you yesterday On our Insta poll Should the Leaving Cert Just be cancelled And 61% of you said yes It should be cancelled 39% of you said no So again a high majority There are saying It should be cancelled uh, Your views welcome text or WhatsApp 862 103, 103 On the issue of tourism, and a lot of people are questioning what to do this year when it comes to taking a break and many people uh, may not do anything, many may wait till later in the year, but there is a, a big question hanging over the tourism industry and what can be done now for tourism. We'll discuss that very shortly uh, with Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan uh, from Cork South West uh, on that particular issue. Where do we go from here? I mean, the tourism market has basically closed. Uh, so what's the best route to reopen that? and how will they deal with it in the future? There's talks of lowering the VAT rate. Would that work? An extra bank holiday? Are you in agreement of that? Would you like an extra bank holiday? And would you make use of that and and go somewhere in this country? Or from what I'm hearing from people in my own circle of friends who were slow to go anywhere this year because of no vaccine for the coronavirus and they're afraid if they go to another part of the country when all the restrictions, of course, are lifted, uh, that they could catch something else Anyhow your views are welcome 1850-333-103 And on the issue of the Leaving Cert Mike raising the point that he hopes COVID-19 is the final nail in the coffin for the Leaving Cert system Now he says let's move on and continue with assessment young people have to endure enough stress for a long time uh, says Mike and also Linda uh, Green uh, with Mike there's a similar comments saying that I hope now they relook look at the entire education system in this country and go to an assessment type way of leaving search rather than studying for two years and doing a state exam at the end of it. It's too much pressure and not everybody can actually go ahead and study that much in a short period of time. It doesn't suit so many. Uh, good point, Linda. for a lot of people when they go to college, actually, then they, they blossom when it comes to education because there's more of a, a semester uh, type of year and they have a chance then instead of studying everything over a whole year or two years, they Projects involved. Uh, you have an exam after every three or four months, uh, and while there is overall exams, everything is taken into account. So yeah, that could be a better move, and we'll have to wait and see. No talk to that happening. This just uh, for for this particular year, it's purely because of what is happening across the world uh, with COVID-19 uh, but it is something that they have been talking about and looking at in uh, revising the whole Leaving Start system Anyhow, thank you for your calls and texts to keep them coming 1850 333 or indeed text or WhatsApp 86 The issue of tourism and how we'll deal with that now going forward this year discussing that next
4: Cork today on c
5: 103.
4: Call Patricia with your comment.
5: 1850 333 103. In the space of a short few weeks, the Irish tourism and hospitality industry has just been decimated with many job losses in the industry. Also, there has been ideas and suggestions of a, a 0% VAT rate, and even now a call for a new bank holiday weekend towards the end of the year. Well, Cork's of West Fina Fall Doll deputy Christopher O'Sullivan delivered a statement in the Doll this week on the importance of the tourism sector especially here in the Cork area and Christopher joins me this morning. Good morning to you Christopher. Morning Geoff. Uh, first of all it is accepted at this stage that 2020 it's a, an economic write-off when it comes to tourism operations in this country but could we save some of it towards the latter part of this year if everything goes to plan with going out of all the phases we're hearing about and keeping the coronavirus at bay?
3: I think we can um, and I say this with caution, obviously, John Paul. Look, um, what I'm not calling for, and I don't think the tourism industry in West Cork is calling for either, is an opening of the floodgates. Uh, We don't want to see a situation where there's widespread movement of people um, when it's not safe to do so. So, you know, in in those regards, I'm certainly listening to medical health experts um, and respecting any decisions that they make. But at the same time, we can't, Important to many parts of this county, and particularly West Cork, where I'm from. Um, And you just, you rightly mentioned there, John Paul, at the start of of your intro, these tourism businesses, these small, medium-sized businesses, which are the heartbeat um, and are the backbone of our rural communities, um, they've just come out of uh, January and February, which are always quiet, uh, and they've entered into a complete economic lockdown. So. It's been incredibly difficult. The, the numbers are startling. I mean, nationally, uh, there was 7.5 billion um, in revenue last year and from tourism, um, 1.7 billion for the exchequer, 260,000 jobs. And then if you bring it back here locally, um, in Cork, we had the hotel industry alone, just the hotel industry employed 6,000 people. And that number has whittled down to just 400. So it's been complete devastation. So as I said, while I'm not asking for a complete opening of the floodgates, I'm not asking for you know, widespread movement of people just yet. What I'm asking for is a plan, Uh, a plan so that when we do beat this thing, and I'm confident that we will beat this thing, um, that we will be in a position to, uh, I suppose, hit the ground running. I think being a rural area and being West Cork, I think we have, that possibly puts us at an advantage. There's a lot of debate at the moment as to where um, tourism might start to pick up uh, first. Um, some people reckon it's the urban areas, the Dublins, uh, etc. of this world, but I think that actually being in a rural area puts it on an advantage because we have a range of activities here, in West Cork in particular, where um, social distancing can be achieved. So if you think of the likes of uh, boating, whale watching, uh, even golf uh, on the old head of Kinsale, for example, you know, visiting places like Mizen Head, Garnish, and Inchidani Beach... In these instances, once people have, I suppose, their own uh, cop-on, uh, social distancing can be achieved. So it possibly puts us at an advantage. It put, puts us in a place where if we follow the roadmap carefully and if the trends in terms of numbers of coronavirus uh, cases um, decreases and we can get control of that, then we may be in a position here to salvage something towards the end of the year because, by God, these businesses... Um, they need it. They really, really do need some type of positivity and some type of positive approach. So that's what I'm asking here, a bit of a, a cautious plan to
5: put in place. And for those hotels, uh, B&Bs, bars that are remaining closed at the moment, I mean, the big issue for them when they restart is the cash flow, to get the cash flow back in, to bring the staff back in, to be able to pay the staff. Uh, Some are asking for state help on this. I mean, how would that work to kickstart the industry again, to kickstart those hotels which are closed? I mean, would it be an issue to bring out grants or or loans? Or how would you like this to work?
3: Yeah, and and this is something I, I call for, in the chamber, um, and I think I was unique in calling for a significant grant aid. Um Now, while there um, have been a range of supports provided for businesses, for example, the COVID uh, payments, the 250-year payments, thankfully has now been extended beyond June. That is very, very welcome news. But they also introduced these uh, very, very low and zero interest rate loans. Now, there's a problem there in terms of the tourism industry. Um, the banks, uh, for whatever reason, are treating a lot of these small tourism-related businesses the cafes, the restaurants, the we the, um, whale watching companies, etc. They're treating them as high risk. So these businesses are finding it very, very difficult to access finance, to put money in their pockets, to pay staff. So that's why I've called on the Minister um, a few days ago in the Chamber to introduce significant grant aid so that we can cut out the bureaucracy and the rigmarole of dealing with banks and bank officials um, and actually just give them grant aid so that they can have money in their pockets, they can pay staff, they can retain staff and they can keep their businesses afloat um, so that when we are in a position to reopen, and I, I mentioned those uh, business, uh, th- those uh, several activities that possibly people could do and maintain safe social distancing. Um, but the problem is if you bring them here, where will they stay? Where will they eat? Uh, where will they go for a drink, for example? So we need to look after those uh, in the hospitality
5: sector as well. And on the issue of the VAT rate, uh, there's been calls for a zero percent VAT rate. You touched on it there regarding when we mentioned the loans. I mean, the VAT rate would help. And it's been an issue for that particular sector over the last number of years with the changes in the VAT rate. But Leo Vracker has come out and saying no, that he would be against going to a zero uh, VAT rate. Uh, you were on about lowering the particular VAT rate. I mean, w- would that be enough? How would that work?
3: something that has to be done. I, I'm still adamant that a 0% VAT rate, I mean, 0% of zero is zero. They, they, at the moment, they're not not—they're um, not making any sales, but we need a significant, it can't be just a gesture. It can't be just uh, a minuscule drop in the VAT rate. We need something significant to um, uh, to reboot, restart uh, this industry, restart the hospitality industry. Oh, my own party spokesperson, Mark McShorrie, has echoed my calls and calling for the 0%. It's what the industry are looking for. Uh, and, you know, if when we're talking about restarting uh, an entire industry and, and giving it a reboot, I think we need to listen to the people who are involved in the industry and who know the industry, and that's what they're looking for. So the, I, I think that's something that's going to have to be included in government talks. It's going to have to be included in a potential program for government. Um, and but it, it's just the 0% is only during the course of this pandemic. It'll gradually be rescaled. I'm suggesting that there'll be... Um, Increased gradually back to the nine percent. Um, so listen, his own minister, um, Brendan Griffin, who understands the tourism industry. His father was a hotelier for years. Um, he was a publican himself for for a few years as well. He's from Kerry, which is an absolute tourism hotspot. They, we all know, they know how to do tourism around there. He understands the industry, and he agreed uh, in the chamber on Wednesday with my calls for zero percent. The big issue there is, unfortunately, because there isn't a tourism minister, which I strongly feel there should be. Um, he's not a cabinet, so he's not involved in making these decisions. Well, so, when you like mentioned
5: that. the tourism minister there, Christopher, Deputy Michael Collins, your own colleague there in Cork South West, he uh, did ask about a tourism minister to Leo Vracker. He said, should we should have a minister for tourism, but Leo came back and said, we are only allowed to have a certain number of ministers uh, because of what's in the constitution. So he asked him, in return, who should we get rid of then? Uh, what ministerial portfolio goes? So, I mean, if that is the case, if you do want a minister for tourism, a standalone minister for tourism, which other ministerial role would you you get rid of, or would you start merging departments?
3: Yeah, certainly. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to suggest here or live and radio what uh, to, what ministers we should be getting rid of. But I think two two areas where we need at least two areas where we need standalone ministers are tourism and particularly down here in Corks southwest, West. Fishing, fishing is an industry that has been crying out for a strong voice. It's been merged in with agricultural at the moment, and it's been lost, uh, to be honest in agriculture. Um, Agriculture needs a strong ministry as well. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But unfortunately, our fishing industry has suffered. Tourism is merged in with transport and communications. I mean, it's it, it, again, and it, it's something that's been lost and diluted. And we need a strong voice. So I'm not going to suggest getting rid of, rid of any ministries at the moment. If you look at the arts, for example, arts and culture is something that is uh, that that could do with the ministry as well. So look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not advocating. A cabinet of one hundred senior ministers. Obviously, there's going to be have to be some chopping and changing. But what I was delighted to hear um, is that my party leader, Micheál Martin, did pick up on my comments and my request for a standalone tourism minister. Uh, it was published in the um, uh, Irish Independent recently. His, his comments, and he agreed uh, that uh, tourism the, it, there would be merit in looking at a, a tourism minister. So, whilst Leo um, may have his opinions and his comments, and I absolutely respect that, um, I think going forward in Hopefully we may have an administration in place over the next couple of months. I really, I have no crystal ball there. I don't know what's going to happen. But I think uh, these, in, in, in any program for government, myself as a Fianna Fáil TD, as a TD for Corks at West, I will certainly uh, be insisting that my input is listened to. Uh, and these are, these are things I'll be calling for. And one of them is a, a tourism minister uh, and a standalone fishing minister as well.
5: And as you mentioned, Brendan Griffin there, he was also calling on the idea of a new bank holiday weekend towards the end of this year. I mean, we're going to be struggling to get people from abroad now into the country. So the domestic market is very much what the tourism sector will be aiming at uh, when and if things go back to some type of normality, if everything goes to plan later in the year. So would you agree with that, that then it gives people a chance to, as even though we are having our existing bank holidays, people can't avail of them the way they used. So if we had an extra one, let's say in the November, uh, it might encourage people people to go elsewhere, to travel to another part of the country and avail of their holiday break that they may have done so in August or in June.
3: Yeah, we just had the Maybank holiday weekend and I I don't know about you but I found that incredibly tough. Uh, I mean, I'm sure families right across Ireland found it tough not to be able, I mean if, if you think of the gorgeous hot spots that we have available to us down here, um, not to be able to, you know. Uh, put the family in the car, put the dog in the car in my situation and head down to the local beach or head down to places like I'm longing to go to, somewhere like now or Cape Clear. It was really, really tough and it's having a a toll on people's mental health, there's no doubt about it, so uh, absolutely I agree with the idea of an extra bank holiday, if not just for that little chink of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Again, we have to err on the side of caution here. There's no guarantee that the trends in terms of the number of cases will go the way we want them to go when we um, follow this roadmap. But look, let's be positive about this. We had a really positive conversation um, with some uh, uh, industry reps, Helen Collins from the Taste of West Cork Festival, Neil Grant from the the Celtic Cross Hotel, uh, and Siobhan Cronin from the Southern Star. Um, It was a very, very positive and uplifting conversation about the potential of salvaging uh, at the end of this season. And I think we have to be positive while also being careful and cautious.
5: Okay, well we'll wait and see what happens over the next number of months. Before I let you go, uh, two things there I want to t- touch on. First of all, we're discussing the Leaving Cert and the decision which is due to be taken today of cancelling the Leaving Cert. Do you think that's a, a good decision, a wise decision for the students?
3: I do, and, and it's, it's a position that I didn't come at too easily, Jean Paul, because I don't know about you, but when I was doing my Leaving Cert, which I still remember really well and I still have nightmares about to be <laughs> honest, yeah. um, I was a crammer. I used to, uh, you know, if I was graded on a, um, over the course of my performance during the year, I'm not sure if I'd have come out as well as I did in the final Leaving or exam because I was one of those students who fitted all my study into the last couple of weeks before the exam. Um, having said that, I, my own goddaughter, my niece, uh, has been pleading with me over the past week, please cancel Leaving Or She was stressed out. She didn't know whether she was coming or going. There was just such a lack of clarity. She was finding clarity to be tough and her, her feelings were emulated right across the country and right across the county um kids were, were these students were, were and you heard Alicia there Alicia put it very very articulately uh, and described exactly what students were going for I think it's what I call it. the party position of spokesperson Thomas Byrne called for it very early on and uh I think it'll bring some bit of, of relief to a lot of students.
5: And you touched there on government formation uh, in the papers this morning. A lot of the papers are running that uh, if it is to go ahead between yourselves and Fianna Gael maybe the Greens coming in, uh, Fianna Gael are pushing for leave Wraker uh, to be allowed first as a Taoiseach if it involves a revolving Taoiseach. I mean, is that just simply because of what's going on to leave things in place? Uh, the less disturbance, the better in the way the country's been run. I thought maybe Fianna Fáil, Christopher and yourselves there would have liked halt to kickstart things uh, seeing as so many people want uh, this change in the country, uh, I would have thought maybe Fianna Fáil would have shouted more for Mee Hall to be T-shock first. What's your view on that? Well,
3: obviously, <laughs> Fianna, Fianna Fáil TD, certainly, um, my preference would be to see Me Hall in there as T-shock first. If if we do get to that point, and I think to, to be fair, we're a long way from that point. but there's some real key discussions and issues that have to be teased out first. That you know create a balance between looking after rural Ireland, uh, looking after the uh, um, climate, and also. Um, steering us to recovery but that's that's the whole conversation listen i'm i'm a field quality d me hall martin is leader of the party um and and we do have the most seats in dollar and even though we didn't get as many seats as we had initially hoped for we do have the most seats so that that's that's the way i'd look at it obviously um leo uh, will want some bit of uh, continuity and Gael will want some bit of continuity in terms of uh steering us through this pandemic but um yeah I mean that'll that, be my own opinion and uh, I'm sure there'll be different opinions that'll be expressed over the next
5: couple of weeks Well we'll wait and see what happens over the next couple of weeks for the moment Christopher thanks for joining us on the programme this morning Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan there uh, Fianna Fáil Deputy for Cork Southwest. And on the way we're going to hear about uh, which is actually going on for a while but it's a fantastic initiative and it's happening aiming at people in various parts of the county uh, but it's for those who maybe at the moment because of pay cuts and job losses could be finding it tough to simply purchase food for the family. We're going to discuss and find out more about Paid Forward Cork next. You're
1: listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
4: Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103, 103
5: Sadly at this time we have a lot of families who are struggling financially during the COVID-19 crisis with maybe job cuts facing families, uh, pay cuts from the company you work in and because of that a lot of services. like St Vincent de Paul are seeing an increase in calls to their service. Well Ashling Toomey has contacted us to offer help with food through a food cloud that she operates and she joins me this morning. Good morning to you Ashling. Good morning. And thanks for joining us. This is a fantastic initiative that you have going on here. Just tell us about the service that you operate. Well
6: for the past four years we've been um, doing food cloud around West. And um, I collect food from Clonkilty to Mandy Bendon can sale, from Aldi and Lidl Conic, all short data foods and we give it out to families around the place that need it.
5: And is it the businesses, when you go into them, they're willing to donate the food?
6: The businesses, Um it's um, Pesco and Bella They give all the short data foods, Aldi and Lidl in De Manway and Panakilty and Bendon and can sale
5: and and they donate the short-dated foods then to yourselves and, and you pass it on to families who were in need. I mean, how do you then decide or how do you deliver uh, to the families that are looking for the food from the various areas?
6: Well, I've got a good team of girls behind me that help me out and um, it's all basically word of mouth. And all different organisations contact us well, family resource centres and stuff have our, my name on file and we they um we give it to the families that they... Um,
5: Sorry now. You're okay. And I mean, you started this particular service you mentioned there four years ago. How did you approach the uh, the likes of Tesco, Aldi, and Duns and come up to say to them, would you be willing to donate uh, this to us for families in need? I mean, what what was their initial response to you?
6: Well, see, this was started by Food Cloud and it's an organization that's all over the country, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, one day, I was asked to um, did I want food myself, and I said yes, I did. And then I was asked what I collect from Bella colleague Tesco, and I did. And four years later, I've collected live eleven different stores, and we support two hundred families all around West Cork.
5: And if someone is in a situation then that they do want to contact you, because a lot of people might not have heard of this particular service before, uh, what is the best way of, of going about that, and how can you try to accommodate them?
6: Um, they can contact us directly. I have people in the Manway, Clonkilty, Kinsale, Carrigaline, on and a colleague, Passage West. And they can contact me directly or one of my girls, and we'll do our best then to accommodate them. Like, we never know what we're going to get Yeah. because you never know what's going to be left over in the shop. So, we do our best in, and we prioritize families that are in need more than others.
5: And just explain to the people who may be confused when we say short dated items. These are items that uh, are coming close to their shelf life. They're not going off, but they're coming close enough to their shelf life. And Yeah, exactly. And they're they're being shipped off then to, to you guys and others who can make use of them before they go off, rather than them being left there and going to waste. And you also operate in the Paid Forward Cork Facebook page. Tell me about that uh, and the service it's all connected with. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic idea that you're know you you're out there helping people in this way. So just tell us then how they can get in contact with you via Facebook on, on Paid Forward Cork.
6: Well, four years ago, I lost my own house. It was repossessed. And I had a choice whether to sell stuff or give it away. So I decided that I'd give it away and I started up a page called Pay It Forward Cork. And four years later now there's 9,000 people on it and we all help each other basically. Anything you want from furniture, clothes, electricals, um, wheelchairs, everything. We, you know, people just put up what they don't want anymore. And, and then
5: they offer that to someone who's in need of whatever the item is. Yeah, without any money. And you mentioned there uh, about losing your own home, I presume. So you, you know very well when people contact you and, and they're struggling financially, oh. uh, that th- you can identify with what they're going through.
6: Oh, God, definitely. And I just think that people are putting too much emphasis on money, like, and we all are hoarders. So there's people that have things in the cupboard that they don't use anymore, and there's people out there that need them. And even the basics, like clothes and stuff, there's people in these times, people are struggling, like, that they can't, you know, clothe their kids, and they can't put food on the table, and these are just ways of doing it.
5: Yeah and I mean for yourself you don't have to go into the the details of it but when you lost your home obviously you you were thinking of turning to something like this because you needed a place to stay you needed food you, you needed these options.
6: Yeah and this is how I started off like it's because I needed all this myself I needed I needed food so and it was offered to me and like four years later I'm actually supplying people food instead.
5: And how are you yourself now? Uh, following on from what happened to you four years, four years ago, I mean, was a, a, a job loss caused a lot of this to, to happen to you? And, and how are you doing now? Or have you found a new home? And, and your, how are your family doing? I am
6: working at the moment with my three kids, and so we're happy, like.
5: And that's the main no, thing. I the the day it's
6: only bricks and mortar,
5: like. That's true. That's very true. And your health and your mental health is the main thing when you go through something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think it's great that you actually came around and did think up of this particular service because now while you were in that situation four years ago, others that find themselves in that situation, you, you're giving them some hope. Oh,
6: yeah. That's
5: really great. So tell us uh, for people who want to get involved or indeed who now... Be- I'm sure you're receiving a lot more calls and a lot more messages oh, yeah. than, than you would have maybe a few months ago. How can people contact your service if they're in a situation like you found yourself in? They, I presume like you, a lot of people don't want the neighbours to know, the community to know, so they want to be confidential. What's the best way to contact yourself? Well,
6: they can contact me directly with my phone number or through Facebook and the pay-forward clock page.
5: So go to Facebook, and type in "Pay Forward Cork," or indeed yeah. we have your phone number here, and we can pass it on to people who yeah. uh, may be in a situation, unfortunately, due to what's happening, might need food uh, for their family. You know, struggling financially. A lot of job cuts, as I mentioned, a lot of pay cuts going on at the moment, okay. so and people are, are finding it tough. Ashley, well done. It's, it's a fantastic initiative. I wasn't aware of it, so well done to you for setting it up. And you mind yourself. Thank you very much. Take care, Ashling me There on that fantastic service, Pay It Forward Cork. Uh, you can find them on Facebook. We have Ashling's details here. If you want to give us a buzz, we'll uh, pass that on to you. And again, like Ashling herself. You know, when people get into these particular situations, in fear of losing your home, you've no job, uh, you, you know, everything you have has been taken away from you. And even if you're getting some state support, it might not be enough to keep the bills uh, being paid and to keep the, the roof over your head or indeed bring in the food. So if you are in that situation, don't be embarrassed and, and contact Ashley because she's been there and she knows exactly what you're going through. So we'll have her number here on file. Give us a call if you do need that and we'll pass it on with confidence. 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 086 086- 2 103 103. Good morning to you, John Paul McNamara, in for Patricia Messenger, right through until 1. Your calls and comments are welcome. Both Sadie and Bernie taking your calls this morning, 1850 333 103. Or indeed, you can text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103. You can always email jp at c103.ie or you can tweet us this morning at c103 cork. I know a lot of people were on to us over the last few weeks asking what could happen. With the national ploughing championships, well as you may have heard there earlier on news, uh, those now the national ploughing championships have been cancelled. I know they were waiting to see what would happen over the next number of months and uh, maybe even delaying it a few weeks if they could. Anyhow, uh, now overall it's been uh, announced this morning the national ploughing championships have been cancelled for 2020. We were also discussing about the cancellation of this year's leaving cert. We spoke with Alicia Joy O'Sullivan, who's a leaving cert student from Castlehaven. Attending Skibbereen Community School, she was giving her views. The majority of students who were contacting us are happy with the decision because now they know where they are going for 2020, as in... If things were to change with all the various phases we hear about, if and unfortunately it won't happen, but if there was another spike and we had to delay uh, one of those phases, it was in phase two or phase three of getting the country back up and running, uh, then Leaving Cert students were worried that they could be studying for two months and then with all the time and effort they put in, it might be for nothing and a lot were anxious over that. Anyhow, at least they know now what exactly is happening. So overall, uh, students are happy. Mixed reaction though on what is happening and on the cancellation of the Leaving Cert, we'll get those calls and comments shortly. But I want to go to our comment line because Louise joins me. Good morning, Louise. Good morning, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. Now, you contacted us this week because uh, you were going to purchase a puppy. Now, first of all, tell us about this. I mean, why did you decide to purchase a puppy? And was it for yourself or was it for somebody in the family?
6: Um, so we were buying a little puppy for my parents. And um, It was their wedding anniversary. They were 40 years married. And um, we had decided that We'd get them a puppy because they lost their dog last year, and my mother is at home, and it would be great and um, companion for her, and um, that she would be there to look after the puppy.
5: Yeah, so and it's nice to have company as well if you're if you're at home and and, and if you had a dog for so many years, I suppose you, you get to you know you miss them; they're part of the family.
6: Oh God, yeah, they're great company, and um, do you know when someone's at home, they go for walks all the time with them, and like they're well looked after.
5: So um, you went off I presume looking then on where you could uh, buy a pup and you were very conscious of that there is so many various options out there nowadays. Uh, so we won't mention any, any names here or phone numbers or anything but you, you did go searching uh, for a pub uh, for your mother.
6: I did yes. Yeah. So we were looking for a Cabajon, a with uh King Charles and I did look into it researching just that we kind of wanted around April time, kind of May time and um, So I had contacted a few people and then I got this uh, number of a friend who got puppies off this person and um, that's how we got the name and that's how we got the person to, that's how I contacted this person.
5: And when you contacted Uh, this particular person, did you check out if they were registered with any, let's say the Irish Kennels Association or any of those particular boards? Um.
6: I didn't check. No, I didn't. I just that she was so highly recommended. Yeah, I just thought it was genuine, Um so I just thought, look, um, look, if they're really happy, if it was a friend who recommended. I said, why not?
5: Why yeah, not? As we all would.
6: you know what I mean? We all did the Uh, same.
5: So you then contacted the particular person about the puppy and they agreed a particular price with you when you gave your interest and you described the type of puppy uh, that you were looking for. So tell us uh, how much initially uh, were you going to pay for this puppy?
6: um, 500 euros. So I rang and I booked the puppy um, and the, the puppy would be ready in a few weeks' time And um, she took my name and my phone number And she was like, that's absolutely perfect And we agreed €500 euros for the puppy um, And that that was sounded to me, that was fine It was enough no- money to be paying for a puppy um, And uh, that's what we agreed
5: And you spoke to this person on the phone and, and agreed all of I that I did, yeah, yeah So you were due had, to get the puppy, was it, later in this month?
6: Um, in two, three weeks' time um, I was due to get the puppy, and till I got a text um, on the other night at about half past ten at night, saying t- due to enormous d- demands, puppies have gone up in price, and it ha- the puppy had gone up to one thousand four hundred euros.
5: One thousand four hundred, double, more than double the price.
6: Yeah, yeah. Um, I contacted and texted the lady back because it was half past ten at night. I wasn't going to be ringing anyone, yeah. and. Um, I just said that we agreed on the price and um, they w- it was only dropped then she texts back saying she would drop it to 750 which is still a huge amount of money.
5: Still a huge amount for a pup and still above the price that you agreed that first day agreed. with her.
6: Exactly. Um, we had agreed 500 euros and you know, she wanted more.
5: And the reason again was the demand that was out there for these particular breed of pups.
6: Yeah, that's okay. what she said.
5: And yeah. at this stage, when, when you heard the the amount of seven hundred and fifty, I mean, was there any other message with this agreement? I mean, was it a case of pay me now and you you get the dog? The dog is secured, or was there anything was just
6: like if you pay if you pay me seven hundred and fifty euros, I'll keep the puppy for you? Um, and seven hundred and fifty euros, I don't know who has. It's a lot of money these days. Um, like paying for a puppy, a lot of people wouldn't have that money to give. Do you know? Of course um, they
5: wouldn't yeah, it's a lot. 500 euros is a lot Not a mind that Increasing it to the price yeah. And then saying 750 euros For this puppy It was very
6: disappointing If I'm honest um, Really disappointing I was really upset Because I had Told my parents That they were going To be getting a puppy um, But Like If it's, if it's just For animal money um, Obviously I don't know Maybe they are Getting this much money For these dogs I don't know um, But that The point was That we agreed 500 euros not for the price to triple.
5: And when you did say this to her that you weren't going to pay that price, what was their reaction?
6: She, did, she wasn't too bothered. I presumed she would have been able to sell the puppy at the dearer price.
5: Okay, and, and within all of that then, and did you find out was this particular person you were buying the pup from, was you registered, was she part of an organisation or anything like that?
6: I didn't. Um, I did Google the person, but I couldn't see any information on the person. Um, and I haven't found out any more information on the person.
5: And, and did you contact one of those groups, uh, like the Irish Kennel Association or, or any, we, any of those I particular groups? I emailed
6: yeah. I emailed the Irish Kennel Association.
5: And um, what was their response to all of this? They haven't replied to me yet. And... When I mean initially when when you reached the agreements between both of you there seemed to be no problem it just seemed to be towards the ends it's as like as if they knew there was a demand there and they knew that they could get that particular money if you were willing to part with it
6: Exactly I think um, unfortunately isolation people are looking for puppies and that people have been c- crying out for them and um, because of this then she was like look if I can get this kind of money I'll up my price
5: Okay, well, I know we we did contact that particular person yesterday. I rang that person yesterday on your behalf when when you uh, told us the particular story. Now we did also contact the Irish Kennels Association. They have an email address which I emailed yesterday. I Haven't heard anything back from them as yet. Uh, we hopefully we will hear back from them. I'm conscious a lot of companies are working from home and things are different, so I, I'll give them the opportunity for, of a few days in case uh, they're doing things differently in their organisation due to what's going on. Uh, but we did contact the person. That you were dealing with, and uh, we explained the situation of the increase in money and why. Then was it were they happy to leave the puppy go for seven hundred and fifty euros? Uh, initially, when I rang at the particular lady in question, um, she did say that she had been dealing uh, with you and that an arrangement had been made. And then, when I asked her, was it sorted? Uh, when she said the arrangement had been made I said oh so it's sorted everything is okay is it and the the phone uh, went dead and it went into the beep 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 so obviously she hung up on me Uh, no I did think maybe the reception went down or something like that so I rang the person back again uh, and nothing it went straight to a voicemail and then I rang again and the same thing the phone went straight to that person's voicemail so then I went to leave a voicemail but it's one of these phones and I know Meteor I think used to do it back in the day when we were in college but you may remember these phones Louise that if you had to leave a message for someone you actually have to type in their phone number and then leave a message so oh, it was that type of voicemail service. Uh, I couldn't just simply leave a message. There was no voice saying, I'm such a person. You know, this is my voicemail. So I typed in the phone number. And as soon as I typed in the phone number to leave my message, it just goes, this is an invalid phone number. Uh, so that's, I haven't got any calls back. Uh, the Again, the, the voicemail is saying it's invalid. So I can't leave a voicemail. Uh, so you can make up your own assumptions on that. But that, that's where... Uh, as far as we could get, we're still waiting to hear back from the Irish Kindles Association on that. I suppose, Louise, overall, it's a word of warning for people to be careful.
6: Oh, uh, God, yeah. I suppose it, it just lets people know that people are selling puppies and then they're increasing prices, which is not very fair. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it's just pe- just for people to be aware of it
5: and you'd be afraid um, for vulnerable people as well who really want a puppy or families who were struggling enough as it is uh, who might have promised their child a puppy you know you have the child looking up at you're all excited and next thing you know someone does this they'll pay
6: 1000 euros or the will. 1400 euros yeah. because they have someone there or even an elderly couple who are at home isolating and they'll pay the money because they want this little puppy at home and, and the company Do you know that kind of way yeah. it's not I just think it's taking it to another level you know
5: and taking an um, advantage
6: it's, it's not very fair i don't think
5: is there anything legally that you think or has, has this happened to anybody before of your group of friends who have been buying puppies
6: um no it hasn't happened to anyone i think it's all kind of increased because of the isolation and i haven't mm. really known anyone buying puppies through like i haven't seen anyone buying puppies through the isolation um but i presume that that people when they are buying them their prices have been increased because of it and that's what it seems like Um, but anyone that I know have bought puppies they've only all paid like four or five hundred euros
5: yeah and the Cavishon puppies they are a beautiful puppy I mean they're a beautiful little dog
6: oh they are yeah and they can be ideal Um,
5: house dogs as well Uh, in or out obviously but they can be ideal house dogs I mean what have you said to your parents when you you told them this news and and how are they taking it
6: um, they were very they were disappointed but they were like oh you there's no way they'd want just paying that much phenomenal an money for a dog, but equally, do you know what I mean? They were like, "Look, it is what it is. We will get a puppy down the line once something comes up. Something will come up." Um, do you know? They were disappointed because they were there. I had told them, do you know? But the, like equally, they'd be quite happy to wait till something comes around.
5: Um, yeah, and it is. It is disappointing when you again. I've promised something I suppose to somebody and and then this happens uh, it's a word of warning for people to be careful when you get a phone number I mean I know you said you got, you got a recommendation from your friends and the majority of us would do that but maybe at this stage uh, there's so many uh, talk of this happening uh, over the last number of years nothing like the way you have described it now there but maybe in future people have to be careful and, and look at a website or, or or get a phone number from a website No, websites can be made up as well uh, but maybe you have some comeback if there was a, a particular website that had some agreements with an organization, but when it comes to buying animals like this, it is very hard to prove who is genuine and who is not genuine in some of the cases.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started
6: it is yes certainly i suppose you you'd want to be 100 percent who you're buying from now it's probably taught us a taught me a valuable lesson um and, like, to know that they are registered and that you're definitely getting a dog properly rather than buying through uh, the black market um, and that people, that they are treated, you know, that the puppies that you're getting will be treated okay, you know.
5: Exactly, um, that isn't part of a, a puppy farm that we keep hearing about. Yeah. And also, Louise, and we won't mention areas here, but did you get to, ever get to the stage of saying that if you were happy enough to pay the, when you were happy enough to pay the 500 euros of where you would meet this person uh, to pay the €500 Euros and receive the puppy? I mean, was it in a public place? Could it have been in a public car park where you go into an actual office?
6: Um, we. She just mentioned briefly that she would meet me on um, on a road um, and that I would be able to get the puppy off her rather than me, me, rather than me coming back to them.
5: Um, okay, so you weren't going to meet in, in their, let's say, their own yard or their own house or office it was going to be the side of a road job?
6: Yeah, yeah. Um, but I hot they were being nice. I know. Do you know like it like do me a favour. Um, and well, that's, that's what they make it sound like. Me
5: out. Yeah, that's what they make yeah. it sound like that they're helping you out instead of you traveling a further distance. We'll come and meet you halfway, and that would be easier. So, yeah, you can you can see why. And if you're not dealing with this every single day, you're not the wiser. I mean, how would you, you know? You take people at face value. You take people that they're good and honest. So, how would you or why would you, you even think people. of that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, why would you? Well, it's a word of warning, Louise. And thanks for highlighting it to people out there in this situation that we're in at the moment. Who might be thinking of getting a puppy, have children in the home, asking for a puppy, or like you. Uh, getting a puppy for, for your parents I mean it is a word of warning out there for people to be extra careful
6: It is definitely it just highlights it um, I'd hate to see people being taken advantage of when there's no need do you know what I mean mm. there's plenty of dogs and puppies around there and there will be plenty of
0: after this
5: no, Of course, and a lot of the organisations, the ICPC, uh, A, the, the, the Cork version, the, there are so many animal charities out there as well that are willingly looking for people to come in and adopt a puppy. Uh, so there's, that's probably a good option to go to, is to go to one of those organisations whereby you can go in, you can uh, see the various puppies, how they're being treated, and then they will assess uh, you if you were able to adopt a puppy. So that, that could be uh, something for, for you and your family.
6: It could, definitely. Definitely. Um to, definitely to investigate and look into um, it's definitely a good option because my parents are at home on their own and like do you know they have plenty of time to look after something and give it a bit of time uh, for, to adopt a puppy
5: Of course well look it's a, it's a story to be learned for a lot of people Louise thanks for highlighting this Pass on uh, congrats to your parents on their wedding anniversary as well 40 years you said is it? A that's long time. So yeah, <laughs> well done to them to, uh, on that. And congrats to your parents on their 40th wedding anniversary. And uh, again, it's, it's a word of warning. Be careful out there if you were uh, thinking of purchasing a puppy. Louise, thanks for joining us and highlighting thanks that this morning. Much. Thank you, Louise. That's Louise there. Uh, regarding that issue of what many have warned us in the past, but it still does happen when you go to uh, purchase a puppy, that that's what can happen if you think everything is above board and why would you not trust someone? I mean, if your friend has said, I got this dog from this person, uh, you tried them, they were very good to deal with. Then you do. And that is the outcome. Uh, your views on that. Welcome. 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 086-2103-103. A lot of calls and comments coming in regarding that. I'll get to those shortly. First, though, on the issue of the leaving search. Uh, which is now going to be cancelled. We spoke earlier uh, with Alicia Joy O'Sullivan from Castlehaven, a student in Skibbereen Community College. Many of those Leaving search students are happy that the decision has been made now to cancel the Leaving search. But Tim in Bandon says there was no reason whatsoever to cancel the Leaving search. There are plenty of empty places that could have accommodated all students safely. Lecture halls in colleges, GA halls and more. Can you honestly expect teachers to give all students a fair grade? I think the whole thing has been handled very well very badly, says Tim in Bandon. While Dan says, I hope those planning celebration parties will respect social distancing and the lockdown conditions if they do so because of the decision regarding the Leaving search, says Dan. And another text here who says, if they can't sit the Leaving search in July, how then would they be able uh, to bring in first years into the secondary school on the 31st of August, travelling in buses from different areas to a particular secondary school? Some schools have have sent out fees already to be paid in instalments on the 1st of May. Uh, says that particular text. I don't know where we are texting from but that is an issue that schools at the moment are trying to look at and deal with on when they do return in September uh, how they are going to deal with social distancing and how it is all going to work and indeed yeah with buses I mean if you look at the uh, bus and buses running across Cork at the moment there's only limited seats on them you will see a a big yellow sticker or a mark uh, with an X saying you can't sit in that particular seat and they uh, have outlined where people can sit to ensure social distancing Distancing. So you would wonder how all that would work. But I suppose schools still have to plan in, uh, for that. They are returning in September, which they they are when the, the, the department want that to happen. But as you say, it's hard to know how will they be able to manage everything uh, going into September when you see this happening with the leaving search. Uh, when they were supposed to set it in August how will they figure out how that will happen we'll have to wait and see thanks for your text Kate saying all those students though and this is on the issue of students who uh, were also worried about not able to find employment over the summer they'd work over the summer months in a local bar or hotel or wherever that would pay then for college fees it would also go towards accommodation uh, over the students here well Kate making the point for all those students on the 350 COVID-19 allowance uh, they would make a great money this summer without even moving and muscle but what about those people who had applied and hoped for summer jobs but can't get any how are they supposed to survive in college next year especially when there will be others who will have received nearly 4000 euros in their banks my daughter is one of those and doesn't and won't have a euro in her account by then and to be honest I don't know how she is going to manage what support is there for these students asks Kate on text 0862103103 on the issue of tourism some and we mentioned there about an extra bank holiday weekend that could come uh, to us maybe towards the end of November. This might, if everything goes to plan in how we're dealing with COVID-19, it might get people to spend time then in other parts of the country and give tourism the boost it needs for 2020. Well, on this, a text says, we have enough bank holidays. We don't need any more. So it doesn't agree with an extra bank holiday. While Breda on tourism in Mill Street says people will not go anywhere until there is a vaccine for this virus. And with people coming into ports and no. Restrictions And how it is going to go away with these particular people coming in. The majority of us are obeying the rules. But what is the point then in having airports, seaports and more all going on as normal? While we obey the rules, we have people coming into this country from other countries and we question if they are staying in their spot for two weeks isolating uh, is a big question coming in from a lot of people on text this morning Breda in Mill Street thank you for your text on that uh, on rubbish collections uh, maybe someone can uh, answer this for us this is in McCroom and a text here saying just wondering if anyone has noticed a, a massive noise of the bin collection it's on Thursday mornings very early in McCroom this person says oh my god the noise is something else I can understand a bin collection but the extra noise is surely so unnecessary. I'm not too sure what type of collection is happening. If it's glass collection and are there more people because more people are drinking at home? Is that the collection that the glasses are making a, a loud noise? Uh, because I presume the bin collection was always early uh, and various mornings in McCroom. So it should be no no different than now. Or is it because it's just so quiet with less traffic on the road uh, that we're hearing uh, other noises we may not have heard? Uh, not too sure anyway. Uh, if anybody knows the reason for that maybe it is glass that could be it maybe more people are, are at home and more glass has been recycled and on the issue of the lockdown and people coming in from other countries similar to what Breeda mentioned there in Street, John in Clonacilty says it's a complete joke uh, having these airports and ferries open people coming in here and what John feels is could be spreading the virus again it's undoing all our good work over the last number of weeks says John in Clonacilty on text to 0862103103 and we were discussing yesterday about the issue of hairdressers and how some uh, barbers and hairdressers may be open secretly across Cork and then those that are closed, they have their customers asking them uh, to reopen or can they do a home haircut and putting pressure on them that if they don't, they won't have their custom when they do reopen. Well, on this, Mary says, I have arthritis in my hands and I'm finding it hard to wash my hair at the moment. I always would go to the hairdresser a couple of times a week. I think it's important for them to open sooner, says Mary on the issue of hairdressing and bringing that issue in of if people have arthritis, how hard it is for them as well to wash their hair if they have nobody to do that for them. Uh, Darkness into the Light, of course, that particular walk isn't going ahead this week, but some people are organising their own events where they get up themselves with members of their households and will do something uh, to honour the occasion but Patsy making a good point here just to ask drivers to be cautious tomorrow morning while out on the roads in case there are people who may be out walking and raising awareness for darkness into light maybe you might have one person on their own or uh, a family member with them And if they are, if you are doing that, maybe wear the reflective gear so drivers can see you, but especially those uh, truck drivers, of course, who were on the roads every morning, very early. And speaking of truck drivers, did anybody watch the show on RTE last night, uh, May Day? What a great show. A lot of people basically had their own I presume their own smartphones and filmed themselves and they put everything together and it showed workers from obviously our our hospitals but also post office workers we had people who were ill and how it's affecting people who were ill and need treatment and We saw firsthand how people's lives have changed now and how they operate and how people are dealing with their children in their home while the other half goes out to work. And then we saw truck drivers and one truck driver and, and how they are dealing with it and how they are so busy and even them driving into the bays of a supermarket and you know where they they drive in and they have the big warehouse and they have to back into a particular bay to unload or upload whatever they're bringing, a uh, stock, whatever, to various supermarkets and how they had to wait maybe half an hour or more because the actual Uh, demand was so great on supermarkets that the the, the spaces were full in all those warehouses and then And to see the drivers driving around various areas and putting up at the side of the road or in a a particular truck spot and sleeping in the truck that night and getting up again early in the morning and forward driving off. How busy it has been for them and how they have not seen their loved ones in two or three weeks. So it just goes to show how every part of society is dealing with that. I'm not too sure if you saw that show or not. I thought it was good. Uh, Your views are welcome on that. 1850-333-103. Also on text, hi to Marie. Uh, who is asking about Vodafone because she says they're now charging people €20 to set up their phone before the outbreak. The service was free, uh, says Marie. And I think, and I presume what what you're on about here is the top-up. I could be wrong, but I presume it's the top-up situation. It's something called Smart Extra. And seemingly when you top-up, you must top-up by €20 in full in one go to activate your top-up offer and avail then of the great allowances including the data, text and voice allowances so it's like a, uh, you get so much of an allowance when you do this but I presume Marie, you mean beforehand before all of this happened with COVID-19 this service was free and now you must top up in full by €20 Euro to allow of this particular offer which includes I would presume more voice allowances more text more data uh, I, th- I think that's what you're saying I checked it out there briefly online and that's what Vodafone have come back with. So if if that is the case and the service was free, you're saying, well, now they want you to top up by 20 euros in full uh, to activate that particular service and enjoy those allowances, say Vodafone. And I mentioned McCroom there earlier regarding the bins. Uh, if you were in Macroom, this might be one to watch for the Cooleyhan Road, which is a road a lot of people use to bypass the town of Macroom. Now traffic could be less over the last few weeks, but uh, regardless, uh, people use that particular road. It's a shortcut around the town. Locals particularly use that, and also to get to various areas outside of Macroom. Maybe we can't agree in those areas. Anyway, uh, that particular road uh, from Monday the 25th of May until Monday the 22nd of June, it's going to close to facilitate earthworks on Cooleyhan Underbridge. So uh, just to let you know that the Cooleyhan Hand Road in McCroom will close from May 25th. It's a Monday, just to bear that one in mind. On the way, we're going to go to the frontline workers and we'll hear firsthand how indeed uh, the likes of housekeeping staff, porters, and security staff in our hospitals are faring out. And also, we're going to hear about this invasive worm. Yeah, we have this worm which came from Australia, an invasive worm, uh, which could be about to, uh, maybe anyway, destroy our biodiversity in this country. We'll uh, hear about that next. C103 Jobs. And on our job spot, we have opportunities for part-time healthcare assistance with QQI Level 5 required for Kilmallock. You can email your CV and a cover letter to admin at mgnh.ie. A motor vehicle technician is required for the Cork City area. You can send your CV to airside Limited at gmail.com. And Caulfield Supervalue in Bandon, they are looking for online drivers. Email your details to bandonsman at caulfields.com. And you'll find these details and more now go online to c103.ie forward slash jobs. Cork Today on
4: C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850
5: 333
4: 103.
5: And now for part two of our series from our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran. It's called Fiona's Frontline Diaries. And this week Fiona has gone to hospitals right across Cork and she's spoken to staff uh, this week in CUH. But someone, uh, a lot of the staff that contact us because we keep hearing about doctors and nurses. So let's go to other staff in the hospital. And we're going to hear this week from the likes of The Housekeeping the portering staff, the security staff and also the healthcare assistants within ICU.
7: You couldn't have it opened unless the housekeeping staff were there. They're doing tremendous work. Um, We're all equal in this. We're all in this together. There's great solidarity. There's great team effort. While doctors and nurses are tending to patients every day, there's a massive team working to keep our hospitals open. This includes housekeeping staff and Fiona Grant is part of that team at CUH for the past 29 years. My job entails um, a lot of cleaning. It's cleaning, 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 cleaning. Hand hygiene is also key, um, and our PPE gear. Um, so it, it, it's very challenging at the moment, but rewarding at the same time. For me personally, the mask is the most difficult. They're not This uncomfortable, but they're very hot. I, I don't like wearing them, but it, you have to and you just get on with it. To help
4: us prevent coronavirus infection, please observe social distancing in the hospital by staying two metres apart.
7: David Howey works please in security at CUH and is now maintaining visitor control at the main door.
3: The public are very accepting of it. I think they've taken the advice from the government and now it is tough for the public to come in. They can't visit their relatives, but... They're very accepting of it at the moment, thank God.
7: The biggest challenge for David since this crisis began is not being able to hug his children who've been living with relatives for the past six weeks.
3: Unfortunately, we've had to move our kids out of the house because my wife works in theatre here as a nurse. So it was too risky for the kids to be with us and moving over and back. So we see them in the garden. No hugs, no nothing, but we're hoping now that we can, with a bit of flexibility in our shifts, move them back this week because they're getting very upset and they're crying themselves says sleep now at the moment. So
1: is tough the house is very quiet at the moment.
7: Owen Cotter is a member of the portering department at CUH and also has young children.
3: I change in work you know I bring my clothes home in in a bag separate you know have no contact with the family until I make sure that I'm as as best I can be as clean as I can you know and uh, I do my best not to to let that fear get in the way of of what I'm trying to do and, and what and what I, what I love doing, basically.
7: And part of what he loves doing now is being that point of contact between patients and their families.
3: It's very tough at the moment, you know, not being able to connect uh, with uh, visitors coming in, so it's nice to be able to, to be that connection. They're always worried, like, make sure that that gets up to a certain uh, person, you know, and, you know. so you just try and keep them calm and keep them at ease. Or maybe pass on a message to a loved one up in the world, let them know that they were asking for it, you know.
7: Lorraine Collins is a healthcare assistant in ICU at CUH. In all my years with the health board, this is the most serious virus I've ever come across. So yeah, I think like physically, emotionally, mentally, it's harder. I'm terrified of contracting it myself. Nobody knows how it's going to affect each individual. ICUs here have not been overwhelmed and Lorraine says that's down to the tremendous efforts of the public. I don't think they're thanked enough for what they're doing for staying at home. I think they're amazing and they've made our job that little bit easier and it's just great to see the whole of Cork come together and listen to HSC guidelines. I just find it really emotional
5: and brilliant. And that was our senior news reporter Fiona Corker in a part two of Fiona's frontline diaries, and there we heard from some of the housekeeping, portering, security, and healthcare assistant staff uh, within the ICU at the Cork University Hospital. With more from Fiona on the show next week on part three of the series of Fiona's frontline uh, diaries, which will continue next uh, Friday here on the program. A lot of calls and comments regarding our chat there with Louise on the puppy that she purchased. And And what happened to her with the increase in price and uh, really finding out that there, there was a puppy there but she had to pay a high price for it over what she was agreed what the agreed price was I'll get to those calls and comments shortly but I want to speak next to Tony Lowes uh, from the Friends of the Irish Environment because uh, there's been a warning to gardeners and indeed for a lot of people that we now have and how we came into this country we'll try and find out it's an invasive uh, flatworm that came from Australia and what dangers does it pose here we'll discuss that next
4: Cork today On C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia With your comment 103,
5: 103 Gardeners have been advised To be alert For an invasive Australian flatworm Which environmentalists say Poses a serious risk To Ireland's biodiversity And indeed economy Friends of the Irish Environment Have said It has been confirmed The identification Of this particular creature In a garden On the Beara Peninsula Well Tony Lowes Is from the Friends Of the Irish Environment And he joins me Good morning to you, Tony. Good morning, John Paul. Uh, first of all, how did this Australian flatworm, how does it arrive into Ireland?
8: Well, there's a series of these flatworms and they've come. these particular ones have come from New Zealand and from Australia. And they come in what's called the horticultural trade, <clears throat> particularly ornamental plants. Apparently, this began to happen quite a long time ago with records from the 1960s, 1970s, particularly around Belfast in the north, and scattered around the country. But this particular one, the Australian one, uh, is not nearly as as, as well-known or widespread. And it was with some shock and horror that Caroline found it in our garden last week, photographed it, uh, sent it to the expert, identified it, and we found there were only 32 records in Ireland. But when we posted it to our Facebook page, we had more than 17,000 views with people coming in from all over saying, look, this is everywhere. It's in my garden. It's, uh, one man reports that his garden has been entirely denuded of earthworms, which is what these things eat. And that's why they're such a great threat. They have no natural predators here. And they eat the earthworms, and the earthworms are absolutely vital for our soil.
5: And when we we all are familiar with worms in our gardens, are probably the earthworms. But what makes this worm look different than the ones we're used to seeing?
8: Well, these are this particular one is is, is quite dark. The uh, New Zealand one is more orange, but they're flatter than the ordinary uh, ones that you would you know earthworms that we see in the garden. So they they aren't that hard to distinguish once you realize that they're actually there. Now, we've been in touch with Hugh Jones, who's the world's expert on these flatworms, and he says the way to go forward, and this is what we would like gardeners to do, is to take a a rubbish bin and put a few spadefuls of soil or sand inside it, knot it up, and then drop it on the bare ground in your garden. And he says this will actually attract the flatworms. And you can check it quite easily by just lifting the bag you can also leave a log with a flat surface on, on the ground because that actually has moisture inside it, so it really does attract this kind of flatworm. But I think the first thing to do is to realize how widespread it is and what a problem it is, so we can protect our gardens. Because we're really shocked at the reaction that we've had.
5: And you, you briefly mentioned there in the dangers, uh, what what can they do when we speak about biodiversity? I mean, are they going to attack the the insects, uh, the, the smaller insects that we have in our grounds?
8: No, they seem to predominantly feed on earthworms. Now, one of the problems is that they can actually go a year without eating, so uh, it's not you know they're not they're not reliant on fresh prey every every few days. So they 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 seem to be very persistent and they seem to spread very easily. If you cut them in half, both sides will regrow. For example, Uh, and so that once they get in, if they get in, for instance, to a garden center or a nursery. Uh-huh. then they will multiply in that. They will go on the undersides of pots and the undersides of containers. They go off to people's gardens. Unknowingly, they start in the garden. And you may not even realize you have them, don't have them there. Several people have come in to us saying, well, we read it, we tried it, and we looked and look, We found them in our garden. Uh, it's very uh, disturbing to realize that, uh, you know, we haven't been properly made aware of this. In, in the U.K., they brought in legislation last year making it a fence to knowingly hold these things. So we're behind the curve here, and uh, I think we really want to, 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 to try and address it. In invasive species like Japanese knotweed and uh, the zebra mussel, they're huge national problems, but these are actually problems in our garden, and they're problems that we can do something about, particularly at a time like this when many people are in the garden. And and there's enough bare ground so you can see what's going on.
5: And is there any particular part of the garden you would find these more than others? I mean, will they be lying around if you had a a vegetable patch or something like that? Will you find them there more than other parts?
8: Pretty much where you would find slugs. The same kind of thing, decaying vegetation, dark patches under things in particular, under stones, and and where the garden is dankest and and, and, uh, darkest, I would say, is your most likely place. But, of course, the best way to to find them, and the way Caroline found these, was when she was on a nightly slug hunt, which she does at this time of the year because the young tender plants have just been put out and the peas are beginning to come up. And uh, On her tour, she found these, and that was most disturbing. I think they come to the surface in the night. One of the things about the flatworm is that it, it lives actually on the surface and burrows along the surface of the soil. Whereas our earthworms go right down into it. That's one of the reasons that they're so beneficial by bringing the debris down into the soil and by aerating it. But these flatworms just sit there and eat the
5: earthworms. So if we're in the gardens at the weekend and and we're doing our our bits and pieces and we come across this particular worm, the, the invasive flatworm from Australia, I mean, what do we do with it? When you have it, you know you have it. Where do you go?
8: I think the thing that would be very useful would be a sort of, what we call citizen science. If you could take a photograph it with your mobile phone beside a coin or or a ruler, so we have some idea of the size of it, uh, and then report it uh, to the to the national alien database species uh, and to ourselves. We're putting the details up on our Facebook page and on our website, so that people can do this. And I think uh, Hugh Jones' idea of, of putting down a, a, you know, a rubbish bin with something, soil and earth in it. To, in a corner, in a dark corner of the garden, and then checking it every few days uh, is, is a good way of doing it without having to get up in the middle of the night with a
5: torch. And is there a way, then, of eradicating this from Ireland? Well, this is the problem. <clears throat> I, I think
8: with so many invasive species, I think the horse is bolted. If you look at rhododendron, would be a good example, which was actually introduced here in uh, near Kenmare in Doreen Gardens in the 17th century, uh, brought back from uh, from the the, the the far the far east, and is now all over the countryside. As you know, places like the Dee, for instance, all uh, every part of Ireland. You go into some of the wildest areas, and you'll see them. And they are so invasive. Uh, uh, Killarney National Park is absolutely destroyed by rhododendrons. Uh, so, what can we do with something like the flatworm? We, we certainly can't go out there and and search for it. But within our own gardens, we can maintain our soil fertility, and we can feel that at least we're doing something for the environment.
5: OK, Tony, well, thanks for highlighting uh, that and maybe uh, somebody may come across one at the weekend. They know now what to do if they do so. Uh, for the moment, thanks for joining us. Tony Lowe's there from the Friends of the Irish Environment with regards to that invasive species we now have in many of our gardens. There was one anyhow found on the Bearer Peninsula. Uh, that is the Australian flatworm. So keep a watch out for that. 1850 333 103. Our lines are open. Uh, Bernie and Sadie, take your calls. Text or WhatsApp 086 2 103 103. A lot of your calls and comments on the way regarding the... The issue we spoke about buying that puppy. Uh, we'll get to those after midday, along uh, with our movie review, and we'll be joined with Dana. Yeah, Dana, of course, 50 years since she won the Eurovision for Ireland. We'll speak with Dana and more after C103 news at midday. Now, on the way, we're going to be chatting with Dana. Yeah, it is 50 years since Dana won the Eurovision for Ireland with a very very famous song still uh, you know so many songs stand the test of time and this is one of them all kinds of everything she'll join us shortly on the show discussing how she feels now about maybe how Eurovision is now uh, and also what happened 50 years ago for her we'll chat to Dana shortly but we did speak to Louise earlier on the show who was about to buy a puppy off a person and when they agreed the price of 500 euros they got a text this week saying the price had increased to 1,400 euros and then when they said no uh, that was too dear they weren't that wasn't the agreed price they were going to pay uh, uh, the lady in question then said they could get the dog for 750 euros anyhow uh, they didn't go ahead with that in the end because of the uh, what they agreed wasn't honoured uh, on this uh, and obviously they're questioning the fact that the price has changed and when we made inquiries then uh, and we uh, spoke to that particular person who was setting the dog uh, the person yesterday when I was speaking to her, she did answer the phone in fairness and she I spoke and explained the situation and she said an arrangement had been agreed and then when I asked her was everything sorted, the phone went dead and I couldn't get through to her anymore and uh, that was the end of that. So uh, as Louise was explaining her story earlier and we did suggest maybe going to maybe some of the animal charities and organisations that you can, for a donation, adopt a puppy from them. Anyhow, a lot of calls, a lot of reaction to this. I get through some of the calls and comments on this particular issue. Tess says, I think that when you were inquiring into the case and the person wouldn't answer you after your initial call it was a fishy case pop breeders cleaning up that's why all the dogs are being stolen this is the sad side to this Uh, there are dogs being dumped every day they are looking for homes and they're the ones who should be homing says Tess on text 0862 103 103 Sandy says oh my god Uh, this just screams of a puppy farm why would you agree to pay that amount of money for something you haven't even seen you should see the parent or parents of the whole litter even and know exactly where the puppy is coming from with all the news on puppy farming out there it's hard to believe the public are still cons and these poor creatures are being treated in this way look up puppy farming and get educated and go to a rescue centre says Sandy on WhatsApp while another person here this is PJ who says uh, we need to make people aware as well that people's pet dogs are being stolen wholesale at the moment it's devastating for the poor dog and the owner it's because of the increase in the price of dogs people have to be more vigilant with their pets because the dogs can get into the wrong hands also Dennis here says regarding that lady and the puppy that's regarding how they thought they could put up the price of that puppy but we are not all like that I breed myself and never did and never would I do anything like this and yourself and that lady said 500 euros is very pricey to pay for a pup that's very unfair of you you don't know how much it costs to breed feed vet fees microchip etc and keep them until they are ready to go And by the way, I am fully uh, with the Irish Kennels group, uh, fully above board. We are not all the same. We are genuine people, and 500 euros is not pricey think again, Letty. I'm very disappointed with you. Purebred dogs are brilliant. A dog is for life, says Dennis on text to 0862 103 103. And on staying with that particular issue of the puppies, uh, and Dennis, I understand your point of view, and you know, I mean, there is a lot of work if you were in that profession which you are, and I'm, I'm looking to let believe that you, you are, of course, a very genuine person. Uh, and yeah, I just presume €500 Euros was a bit pricey, but I've never dealt with that before. So initially, if someone said to me, you're buying a puppy it costs 500 euros I I just would be questioning it I didn't think a dog would cost that much to buy because i never purchased a puppy Uh, but obviously they are and now you've educated me Uh, Bush I wasn't aware they were that pricey I I think uh, you said yourself you you think that lady that was selling uh, that dog was bligarding, so uh, you you can see that for yourself with regards to what happened so thank you uh, Dennis for your text on that Uh, also with regards uh, to the situation for that lady um, it's a total rip off why should she pay more than she was very rude of the person to do that and Audrey says why don't they go to a good dog home where they would be able to give a dog a good home themselves says Audrey and there's a lot of people Uh, who have said the same thing about going to an animal shelter or a rescue centre to deal and get a particular dog that it would be a better option for that particular person Uh, John in Charnival says though be careful in Charnival a lot of puppies are being stolen from the back gardens of people Uh, they had a a puppy stolen a brown and white King Charles a female uh, puppy stolen from their backyard I know we've got messages over the course of the week as well to say that there are puppies uh, being stolen and particularly we're getting a lot of calls from the Charnival area of puppies being stolen in that particular area and dogs and pet dogs have been stolen in that area it seems to be more so over the last week so if you are living in that area of Charnival and you have a pet dog and usually he or she is out and about in the front or back lawn or wherever they are uh, just bear that in mind, we've just got a lot of calls and, and texts and messages to our Facebook page over the last week or so about that situation uh, Tomás says uh, that ladies should go to the animal shelter instead because I bought a dog off a breeder and it had to be put to sleep seven months after I got it I contacted the breeder and got no satisfaction from them whatsoever However, instead, I went to an animal shelter and got a beautiful dog from there for only a small donation," says on to, um, to Bernie on eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three, and staying with that situation. Uh, Mary then the other side of things Mary said our uh, cattle dog died and we got a new one from an ad on the paper and he is the most lovable dog so it worked out okay for Mary so everybody has a different story but just to be aware uh, when you are dealing it just highlights the situation of buying a puppy in this particular country not a mind the county uh, thanks for your calls and comments on that issue 185333103 Sadie and Bernie taking your calls and on the issue of the leaving search Christy in tepaglanton making this issue saying that due to the shambles the government have made out of the Leaving Cert exams we can count ourselves fortunate that Dr Tony Houlihan and his team are making all the decisions on the coronavirus I dread to think that what would have happened if it was left to the government to make these decisions Even though Leo and co are being loaded for their handling of the crisis it is obvious and by their own admission it is the CMO who is making the decisions Since the government have been all over the place on the Leaving Cert surely now it does go to show you <laughs> what we could expect from them in the future and Fianna Fáil if they are all back in government together. As so many keep saying, there is no reason why the Leaving Search could not go on as normal as there are plenty vacant venues that could be used to stage them. I feel those attending private colleges will have a bigger advantage over the rest with the predictive grading system, says Christy in Temple Glanton on email to jp at c103.ie. Christy, thank you for your email there and a lot of people bringing that up this morning. Morning and a lot of calls actually regarding venues that many people would have sat there leaving cert anyhow in a town hall or a GAA hall over the years so why could that not have been done if social distancing was the actual issue for uh, the cancellation of the leaving cert anyhow uh, that's just some of your calls and comments on that particular issue our lines are open 1850 333 103 Bernie and you take your calls you can text or WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. 103 103 on the way next though we'll chat with Dana
4: The C103 Cork Diary.
5: With Cork County Council, supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork.
1: Visit corkcoco.ie.
5: The Darkness into Light fundraising event for Pieta House cannot go ahead this year so they are appealing for people to support their sunrise event and that's going ahead tomorrow so please share a sunrise moment at 5.30am you can use the hashtag DIL2020 or indeed you can donate to darknessintolight.ie or visit Peterhouse.ie and to continue to support the work of Pieter House and the collections for penny dinners are going ahead in Newmarket and Kenturk that's going ahead tomorrow where a Boss Aaron bus will be a new market from 12.30 to one thirty, with a collection point at Super Valley, the post office and Hannan's petrol station. And then the bus will travel on to Kenturk between one thirty and 2.30. The collection points there in Canturk are at Spar and Tuik Super Valley and also at Yum Cafe where they have a collection box outside the cafe.
4: Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103.
5: Now for many it is really hard to believe that it is 50 years this year that Dana Rosemary Scanlon won the Eurovision Song Contest for Ireland for the first time ever. Now even though there is no contest this year we just couldn't let the occasion pass without having a few words with the lady herself and Dana joins me from Australia. So Dana it's good afternoon from here probably good evening to you there in Australia.
9: Yes, indeed. Uh, I don't know whether to say good morning or good evening to you, <laughs> but uh, it's nice to speak to you, John
5: Paul. And likewise, Dan, nice to have you on the show again. I mentioned there are 50 years since that win. Uh, well, I mean, does it feel like 50 years? I was watching footage there on television the other night, and it just seems to have went so by uh, very, very fast, and things have changed so much in Eurovision since you won it. Yes, it, it never
9: does feel very long looking back does it. The years just seem to speed by. Indeed, the days speed by, but it's all very clear to me. The memories are very clear, and I have to say, it was um, it was lovely to go back there uh, in the documentary that they're going to be showing on Monday to go back into that theatre and it be completely unchanged.
5: Is it the same as it was when you performed?
9: Exactly, like it, like oh. a time capsule. They they kept the theatre exactly as it was.
5: And do you remember that particular night as vivid as it took place? Can you remember going on stage and singing the song live and, and the big reaction after you won? I mean, it was a huge thing for Ireland to win the Eurovision, especially at that time in the 70s.
9: I remember every single detail of it because I didn't think I had a chance of winning it. And I decided that I wasn't going to be a singer. Um, I was settling down to do my A-levels within weeks, actually, of Eurovision. So I never thought about winning it for one second, not for one second.
5: Do you think that was a good thing? I
9: wanted to keep all the memories. Oh, definitely. Because I think if I'd, you know, been hanging on to my dream of being a singer, um, I would have been much more nervous. But as it was, I just wanted to to do my best and not mess it up, and I just wanted to remember everything that was happening and all the people around me.
5: And you did that because you brought home the gold, as they say in sports for Ireland on that particular night, the homecoming. Again, the 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 program that's going to be on Monday night. They showed a clip of the footage of the homecoming. I mean, crowds. You you were everywhere across Ireland because of the occasion itself. Can uh, you remember that as vividly? Seeing you sitting there and being asked to sing in front of crowds at the airport and elsewhere.
9: Yeah, I, I did indeed. Uh, it was when we left, my mother and my granny and I, um, we all flew out, you know, on the plane with the reporters and the the Irish team. But there was no big fanfare going. As I've often told people, we were waved goodbye by two cleaning ladies and a porter. And when we arrived back and they opened the door of the plane, there was about 5,000 people on every part of the terminal building. In fact, I never, I never land back in Dublin and see that terminal building, the old terminal building, without thinking of it. You know, it was just, oh, an unbelievable sight. And it was a great celebration for all of Ireland. And I had been booked to do an Irish tour, win or lose. With the famous Jamaican. And when I won, it was such a shock to DECA, who I was only signed to a small distributing company uh, for DECA called Rex Records. DECA didn't have the masters of all kinds of everything, but they expected me to drop everything and to start traveling around Europe and around the UK promoting it. And well, I just couldn't do that because win or lose, I had been booked to do a tour in Ireland. And I thought, well, they would have, you know, if i lost, it they will still be welcoming me back. So no, I'm not going to Europe. I'm not going to the UK. I'm going to do the tour that I was booked to do. And sure, we had, oh my gosh, with celebrations celebration. Everywhere we went, and people still tell me about the night that I sang in wherever it was and whatever part of Ireland, of course, we were in Cork as well.
5: And I would imagine a huge response from North and South as you mentioned there at that time, you know, the Troubles were starting, there was a lot, it was a lot of, diff- the country itself was a lot different than what it is now and you you did bring the country together. I mean, it changed your own life but it also brought people together North and South at that time.
9: Oh, it did. And being from the Bogside Flats and Derry where we'd run in battles on the street, it was really a ray of light and things weren't easy either uh, in the Republic. They were, they were not easy days in the 70s. So I, I think it was just a moment when the whole country celebrated.
5: And from the celebrations then I mean the years moved on the Eurovision moved on as well and while still across the whole Eurovision community and the Irish community you're loved Dana for that particular song All Kinds of Everything which I will play uh, in a while it still holds a lot of memories to, in people's hearts uh, but do you watch the Eurovision these days and, and what do you make of the Eurovision now compared to when you were taking part and even compared to when we had all our wins here in this country in the 90s? Yes, sir.
9: It it's a huge event now, very, very big, a lots and lots of countries. And, of course, it's now in a stadium, not in a theatre. I never really was fond of the production in a stadium rather than in a theatre because it's hard to fit a stadium into the intimacy of a television screen. But I understand, you know... There's many more countries involved, and people want to be present, and, you know, I understand that, and you just have to accept that. So it is like a big celebration, and I think as long as any country puts the best foot forward, the best song, the best singer to go with it, you you shouldn't be worrying if you win or it would be lovely to win. But even if you don't win, it's a unique platform for the music industry, and it's a unique platform socially for for people to come together. So I think people should just relax and just put their best foot forward and enjoy it.
5: And when you watch it now, I mean, do you watch the Eurovision now and what do you make of the various dances and the uh, performances and the routines? It's so different and it changes every year now.
9: It does. Again, when they're on the stage, they're performing to a stadium. And it's hard to fit it into a television screen. It's a more intimate uh, vehicle. You know, the television is more intimate. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And the graphics behind the artist, sometimes they are very beautiful and sometimes they're invasive. I think they're too costly. They take the emphasis of, you know, the singer. But I really have my faith restored in Eurovision just a few years ago when the Portuguese entry won. First time in its history in 60 years, I think. They've never won. They had a young man singing. His suit didn't fit him too well. His hair was a mess. He sang the most beautiful song. With sincerity, a gorgeous arrangement. And he swept the board. I think he was the same as me, about 121, if he would win it. He was just wonderful. He won all the national votes and he won all the country votes. And at the end of the day, that's what Eurovision's about. The complete outsider, the complete unknown can win through with a wonderful song and a good performance.
5: And it shows, as you mentioned, it still can be done. And as I said, you are very much respected in the music world, but also in the Eurovision world, if by any chance that we're here in Ireland looking to perform next year, I obviously it's not going ahead this year, but next year they're looking at performers and they're thinking, well, Dan has been back in the studio recently. Will we, will we ask her? Would she be interested? I mean, what if they came to you and said, would you perform again for Ireland? I mean, would you be up for it? Mm, no, no, I wouldn't be up for it. <laughs> You've I done your think piece. I don't really
9: go there twice. Jump <laughs> <laughs>
5: Uh, but when you look at Eurovision, now obviously this year, is a, it a sad for Eurovision fanatics when you don't have, obviously we know the reason why it cannot go ahead of this year, but a lot of people will, will miss it this year. I mean, it's the first in a long number of years that it's not going ahead.
9: Yes, I think they will. But there's been amazing um, ingenuity and creativity in replacing the live show. And to be honest, most of us would have watched it from our home. mm so I know um, I've done a contribution to the European Broadcasting Network who are doing their Eurovision replacement show. And also to RTE who are focusing on the Irish element of the Eurovision, which should be lovely. And I think all of us are, are in some way contributing to that. And not forgetting, we have the Mr. Eurovision, Johnny Logan. I'm so proud of Johnny. And this is his 40th anniversary. So you know we've we some great artists from Ireland leave Kavna and charlie and um you know and are just wonderful artists have taking part there so. The did did. we did actually had
5: yeah, we had Niamh in actually over uh, a few months ago on the show uh, she was uh, well it didn't go ahead but she was about to perform in the Everyman uh, here in Cork and still she's been remembered for her night in Mill Street and the amount of calls and texts of people remembering her performing on stage uh, was Niamh Kavanagh in, in your eyes so it just does show as you mentioned the performers are, the performances we, we've had over the years but the performers we also have in this country that can win it for us and hopefully will win it for us again I did mention there briefly, Dana, about you going back to the studio. We had you on the show in November and at the time you were speaking about your yes. new album, My Time. Uh, how was that going for you and, and uh, how was the album going and how are you getting on with that? And you, you were excited at that stage releasing the particular album. Yes, thank
9: God. we had a really great reaction to it. And I should have been through February actually, uh, for most of that time in Germany and then going on to to France and to Italy and some of the northern countries to promote it there. But, of course, like everybody else, that's not possible now. But we will, when this is over, they want to go ahead and with that European promotional, starting with Germany. So, um, you know, it's it's just one of those things that my granny used to say you can either suck a lemon or you can make lemonade. So there's no point in losing your head over something you've no control
5: over. She makes a very good point there, uh, indeed, as your granny on on that phrase. And when I rang you there earlier, um, you told me you were in Australia and we were wondering, why was Dana in Australia? So we mentioned there at the top when we were saying good evening and good afternoon to each other. Why are you and where are you in Australia?
9: Well, like most Irish families, we have half of our children in Australia. So I'm uh, visiting uh, my children here, my husband, and I was also asked to do media, you know, breakfast shows and whatever yeah. about Eurovision because Australia is very into Eurovision.
5: Oh, they are. Of Big course,
9: with the, with the virus, all of that was shelved. So we're having a chance to spend time with family that we wouldn't normally get this amount of time together so that's been beautiful
5: That's very nice because it's a beautiful country and there's a lot going for it but it's so far away you don't get to see people that are yeah. there enough so it must be nice to spend time there with your family Is in Canberra you are isn't it?
9: We're in Canberra and we have another uh, child in well they're, they're adults now but in Sydney
5: Oh Sydney so, and Canberra um, well two nice cities
9: They're actually lifting restrictions not completely but they're easing lockdown restrictions here because they have such a low rate of um, of, of cases, you know, day by day, and they have a very good testing here, which seems to be essential to protect people that they have access to testing and then mm-hmm. treatment. You know, so I'm thinking of you very, very much because I know I've heard it not so easy in Ireland and we're thinking and praying very much for the safety of, of, of
5: the people in Ireland. Well that would be appreciated yeah people are finding I know the government don't like us using the term lockdown but they are finding lockdown uh, quite tough a lot of people are and hopefully over the next few months things will change for us here like they are now in Australia and you mentioned lockdown is easing is it noticeable so to see people kind of trying to get back to some normality in the cities like Sydney and Canberra
9: well, Sydney, we haven't been in. We went there first, and then we came to Canberra. Um, so Sydney was not in lockdown when we were there. and um, The really severe lockdown happened when we got to Canberra. But we were able to walk around the block. Uh, we were able to go to the supermarket maybe once a week, but wearing a mask. Uh, they're now recommending that you don't wear gloves, plastic gloves, because they can retain... Um, germs, so not to use mm. them. Um, so we would have been out of the house the day before yesterday and yes, it was really a surprise to see that um, a shoe shop was open, clothes shop was open and they were completely closed previously and there were more people but still keeping the social distancing, uh, which is, uh, they say, very important. So it's, I know it's a very strange... Um, situation for, for everybody. And you know I keep thinking about John Paul, I keep thinking about the people who are basically in lockdown a lot in their life because they're alone in their home. And it's made me think an awful lot about that, people who are maybe longing to see people come on a normal basis, you know.
5: Yeah, you're dead right, Dana. We were getting a lot of calls here to the radio station from people who are living on their own. Uh, they're ringing us for, for chats and for company because their families that are elsewhere. They might be in Australia, they could be in Canada and they are on their own. So yeah, we are as well. You're bringing up something very uh, topical and important there that there is a need for us to be mindful of those people who are on their own during this time because it's a tough time for those people normally as it is, but it's, it's worse now because they can't get out and they're relying on others and neighbours to do shopping. But but it is. It's tough, isn't
9: it? Well, it's not not easy. Um, My husband spoke to his brother and his wife, and they have not been beyond their garden gate. Uh, Now it'll be almost nine weeks that they haven't been outside of it. So that's a whole new thing for us. And I suppose you have to try to look for the positive, try to look for the good. And it's certainly made of look again at at our lives and what's really important what's not. A lot of people praying for, you know, the end to this safety for people. Time to read. Uh, I spoke to your friend and she said, my house has never been tidier and it's never been cleaner. (laughs) (laughs) So there's some Positive coming out of things, you
5: know. Yeah, we'll have great homes and gardens after all of this is over. Indeed, we will. And great to hear the positivity there from Australia that things can and will return to normal, like they are there in Oz. It will happen here too. Dana, I know you're busy, and and we'll let you go. Before I let you go, I just want you to bring a few texts into us, um, wishing you well. First of all, John Finbar, wishing you well. He said he met you on an Irish cruise a few years ago, and you were absolutely brilliant. So, John Finbar, saying hello to you. Also, so lovely to hear, Dana. Oh, do you? Oh, there you go. There you you go now. Well he's saying hello uh, Another person here No name but says Lovely to hear Dana I loved her And I wanted to be like her And I love singing All kinds of everything When I was 17 At family gatherings I still have all the words I can't wait For the documentary Says that particular texter And another person here This is Mary Mary remembers seeing Dana In the Montrose Ballroom A few days after her win What a crowd We were all That's so delighted that. Do you remember that?
9: I remember very well and I still have a lovely silver tray that was given to me by a very prominent family in Cork and it has pride of place in our home.
5: Wow, after all those years. Yes, oh, that is amazing okay. And that's one more yeah, that's It's fantastic the way people remember the various uh, Occasions 50 years ago at this stage And Anthony in Limerick uh, Wants to say hello to you He bought your recent album Really enjoyed it and looks forward to more music from Dana So there you go Dana Just a selection of some of thank the comments you. we're getting in there uh, This afternoon or this evening Where you were there in Australia And thank you for joining us The documentary of course is on RTE on Monday I do like the title I don't know if you've seen the promo, but it's saying, Dana, the original Derry Girl. So there you go. (laughs) (laughs)
9: There you go, John
5: Paul. Dana, thanks for for joining us. And likewise, and take care in Australia. And love to all your family there.
9: And yourself too God
5: bless My bye Take care That's the lovely Dana Rosemary Scanlon There remembering What happened 50 years ago Winning the Eurovision For Ireland With all kinds of everything Great to hear Some of your texts And views there Coming in uh, On what you remember There as well From 50 years ago Great to chat with Dana there In Australia On the show And thank you For all your kind texts uh, Towards her Over the last while We're going to the movie Shortly with Mark But just earlier We had a few texts And asking about The large noise On the, on the bin collections in McCroom and this happens on Thursdays so we got a lot of reaction to this and a lot of people are saying well yes it is very noisy around 5.30am on Thursdays because of that bank collection but it's nothing to do with Covid it's been that way for a number of years it's like noise pollution at around 5.30am from a McCroom listener so I presume it's people living either in housing estates or around the main street area of McCroom but anyhow nothing to do with Covid it's always been happening so we'll see if we know why it's so noisy, not too sure if it's a general rubbish truck or what's the situation with that. Anyhow, well will let you know. We we'll go to the movies though with Mark next.
4: Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 2103
5: 103. time to check out the movies that you can download or stream. We're joined as usual by our Mark Malone. Afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, John Paul. Now, you went along this, uh, well, you didn't go along, but you watched this at home anyhow. First <laughs> of all, this is Astronaut. we you get a trailer first here for Astronaut.
8: People have been looking up at the stars forever. And I think it's always for the same reason.
7: What?
9: To see where we belong.
7: Hey, don't forget you have
4: homework tonight. Maybe Angus can help you out. Angus, come here! I've been summoned... Tonight in our studio, billionaire Marcus Brown. Everyone should have a chance to achieve their dreams. A lottery to choose
0: someone who dares to dream big. And the prize? A two-week journey to space on the first commercial space plane. Age requirement, 18 to 65. You could look 65.
6: Do you suffer from a heart condition? No.
0: You entered the competition!
7: And the final three lottery winner names. Connor Cranston, Adrian
0: Cimignetti, Angus Stewart. You're going to be an astronaut.
8: Can I come? What? Time to fly.
5: Okay, so as the name suggests, it's something to do with space, and it seems to be to do with winning competition to go to space, Mark. Am I right?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Uh, This is a very, very small kind of Canadian film uh, starring Richard uh, Dreyfuss. It's a small budget film, which you know I think it was meant to be released to cinemas, but obviously because of what happened, it couldn't. And my, you know, my worry was, was that a film like this, if it had gone to the gone to cinemas, it would have possibly been a bit lost. And I think it's um, it, it's in its perfect place. I think uh, on BOD. And I think it's a film that some people might not necessarily kind of think will be entertaining enough for them, and they might just pass it by. I hope people won't. It's not perfect. There are problems with it. But I think it's very, very sweet. And um, one of the criticisms of the film is that it's a bit melancholic and a bit kind of uh, too sweet and saccharine for its own good. And I think there are times when the film is like that, and I think that criticism may be kind of acceptable. But in the main, I think um, I, I thought it was very, very heartwarming and very, very sweet. And it has this extraordinary performance uh, in uh, the main lead by Richard Dreyfuss, you know, who's had an interesting kind of relationship with Hollywood over the years because I think Hollywood at times has no idea, I think, what to do with him, and that was the case for a while. His heyday, I suppose, was the late 70s and into the 80s with films like Jaws, you know, and The Goodbye Girl. Uh, But then I think, you know, he's always been a bit pudgy and a little bit small, and he's not exactly your kind of leading band material. And I think Hollywood over the years, I think, has kind of you know, been confused as to where to put him. But he's very, very good, and as he's always is, and he's very, very good in this. It's a wonderful performance. I mean, he's in his 70s now. He could kind of, you know, just do this for the money. He could just turn up and just phone a day, and he could just, you know, mug his way through the whole performance. But it isn't. It's a performance of really, really depth and 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 intelligence. And I hope that uh, you know, I, I believe um, uh, the Academy will uh, accept films on VOD uh, for the Oscars. I mean, I presume the Oscars won't uh, itself won't go ahead. But uh, if he is nominated, um, I think online. Uh, I, I hope he will be, because it's that kind of performance. It's about a, it's, The film's about age and how and, and regret, and um, it's about this man in his 70s, his health is failing, but an Elon Musk-type character, uh, Marcus Brown does give people the chance to go on board a commercial space flight, and so he enters the competition, even though uh, he is of, uh, of ailing health, um, and kind of kids his way uh, into becoming uh, the last 12. Now, there's an awful lot of it you don't really believe, and I think that's a shame. And I think that's all down to the writing, where uh, sadly you don't believe it. You don't believe in his um, in his knowledge of uh, kind of uh, he's, he's a civil engineer, and you don't believe that he knows more than the, some of the you know great scientists of the world. You don't believe that he can get on this with his ailing health. You don't believe any of that. And unfortunately, as I say, that does undermine his extraordinary performance. And it's well worth it just to watch him on screen. <laughs>
5: OK, so it is a, an interesting uh, film and uh, I, I think at the moment there's so many various films people are downloading it's, it's a good one to watch by while you're describing out of 10 though how would you rate this one? i will give it 8 8, OK, that's a good rating 8 out of 10 for Astronaut you can download and stream now and then uh, the next one because Elsa's back mark Frozen 2 this was huge the first time around Yeah,
1: did you see the first
5: one? I did, yeah I think everybody saw the first one <laughs> you were yeah. made watching well, it if, you weren't, if you didn't want to watch it but it seemed to get a good know. reaction by all ages
1: Yeah, well, I know some people haven't seen it and uh, they have no interest in seeing it you know, because they say, well, I'm not a 10-year-old girl, which I think is nonsense because I thought the first film was extraordinary. I really did. I was just blown away by it when I saw it. I thought it looks beautiful. I love the characters. I thought the songs were great. I loved everything about it. Um, So Disney spent a long time thinking about this because they didn't just want to kind of undermine their kind of original film. And so they said, look, we'll only make it if we get the, the story right. And they've taken kind of quite some time over it. Unfortunately for me, the story that they have come up with it is really complicated and modelled, and I think younger kids certainly won't understand what's going on. Uh, but they will enjoy what they're seeing on screen, I think. Um, you know, it, basically the story is is that, uh, you know, again, it's uh, Edina Menzel as Elsa and Kristen Bell as Anna, and Elsa is hearing this voice from kind of far away from a distant land. So uh, she and Olaf and uh, Ivan and Anna, they all go on this trip to try and find out Exactly why uh, she's getting this kind of voice calling her, and um, and the film then kind of. As I say, it gets muddled in kind of mysticism and magic, and and, and I think that's a shame. Also, I think the songs, for me, all, pretty much all sounded very, very much like each other. Uh, there's nothing really here that's as good, I think, as uh, Let It Go. Um, but although Into the Unknown, I think it is a very, very good song. Um, I think it does look beautiful. I think, again, you know, you are welcoming these characters back, you know, uh, into, you know, your um, into your heart again uh, but I just didn't think it was funny enough I thought in fact if anything old uh, unlike the first film was kind of annoying in this film whereas he was very funny in the first film and I was kind of, I just I, I didn't get emotionally involved in the film like I did with the first one but I think look if you're you know 10 between 10 and 20 um, and you're a little girl and uh, you love the first film you will certainly love it
5: Okay out of 10 mark for this?
1: For me uh, my wife gave it 10 because oh. <laughs> she really liked it
5: I give it seven. Oh, so seven from you and ten from Alma. Okay, well, we'll yeah. we'll we'll leave it there. It's, uh, it's I presume it's still be as big as the last one. We'll wait and see for the moment. Mark, thanks for joining us and just uh, stay You're safe. On. We'll chat to you next week. Uh, that's Mark Malone there with our movie review. All those, of course, you can download and stream now. Uh, that's about it from us today. Thank you for your calls and comments. A lot of more are coming into us across uh, the afternoon. So what we'll do is we'll hold them over for Monday. A lot of people are raising various issues. Uh, again, we'll hold those for Monday and get to those on Monday's show, Nick. Richards is along next from 1 playing feel good tunes on Cork's greatest hits along with Martina from 4 Patricia Messenger is back with us on Monday on the show. My thanks to Bernie and Sadie uh, across today taking your calls and comments on a busy show this morning. Thank you for that. You can email us across the weekend if there's anything you still want to raise email jp at c103.x I'm John Paul and Mark Namara Uh, Try and enjoy your weekend and stay safe